Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Mornings with Taylor and Jen. That's, that's what I am. I am smart, smart with two T's. S M A R double T. Smart with two T's, Tennessee. Life 107.1. It's pretty exciting when an Iowan makes it big. And I'm not sure if there's much bigger than Super Bowl winning quarterback, NFL Hall of Famer, and Dancing with the Stars contestant. (laughs) (laughs) But that's Kurt Warner. He is one of our treasured celebrities. We were just talking about how much respect we have for him as as a human being. What a wonderful guy he is. And they're making a movie about him. Making a movie about him. And there is someone right here in the Life 107.1 community who has had some pretty close contact with Kurt Warner. I went to Windsor Heights Elementary School, and this was when he was on the Barnstormers team. Yeah. I was probably picked because I was one of those horrible kids at reading, but I got to read to Kurt Warner for a month every Wednesday. So four Wednesdays, I got to read to Kurt Warner, and I always wonder if he, like, remembers me or something, like if I were to say something. I got to read to a Super Bowl champion. You you did. That's so cool. You didn't just read to a Super Bowl champion. You you read to a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Maybe they'll put you in the movie. Did you say something, like, really encouraging that helped him win the big game? Yeah, I said, thank you for letting me read to you. <laughs> oh, that's it. That no, moment is life changed. <laughs> I think it's a good thing to look at somebody like Kurt Warner and internalize their story. So yeah. at one point, Kurt found himself stocking groceries overnight at Hy-Vee, which we all love that story now because we know what he became. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can utilize that story to say, so, you know, never give up hope. Always do everything to your best ability because you never know what God's going to do. But, you know, you can also take a step back and look at that story from a different perspective. It's very important when you are going about your life and you see a grocery store stalker Mm. or you see somebody working behind the counter Positions that you think may be, quote, lesser, unquote. You never know what God is going to do with that person. You have no idea what their story was leading up to that moment, and you have no idea what their story is going from that moment. And you have no idea what God's doing through them right at that moment. I know. It's all, I mean, it's all just this this reminder Hmm. that a sovereign God has this all in play because he wants his son to be glorified. So never discount that person that's in front of you. I'm not sure if there's anything that could bring you to your knees intellectually more than owning a home. <laughs> oh my goodness. There are so many things you have to know. I have never felt so uh, unqualified as when I... I was going to let you find the words. <laughs> I, I, I had a few, but I wasn't going to offer them. I had to purchase a home. All right. And I, I, uh, my home is filled with appliances. Of which I know nothing about. <laughs> I know how to use them in so much as they have a start button. Yeah. But anything after that, it taxes me beyond my ability. So this past winter, when I walked into my house after speaking at an engagement at Lutheran Church of Hope, I walk into my house and it's 57 degrees. 
Which is not optimal. The two brain cells that were still warm went, I think something's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So I called my home warranty people and they asked me if it was an emergency. I was like, well, it's 57 degrees. I'm not comfortable if that's what you're asking. It's winter. So they sent a very lovely gentleman over who came down to look at my very old furnace in my home. He was such a nice guy. He came in. He walked over to the furnace. He looked at the furnace. No kidding. He turned around and looked at me. Turned around and looked back at the furnace. Reached down into this place in the <laughs> furnace. Place. And he pulled this giant box thing out. And he went, yeah, this is your problem. And I said, yeah. What? And he's like, you need to replace your filter. The filter. <laughs> Okay, in my defense, this is a very old one, and he's got these giant filters in it, and basically it has zero tolerance, all right? if As oh. soon as my filter gets filled up... If it's too dirty, it, it turns off. It turns off. So this is what he said. While I'm watching you right now, he's like, I want you to set a reminder on your phone right now. <laughs> he's like, every three months, you replace this, okay? And I was like, yes, sir. We're Taylor and the newly furnace-educated Jen. <laughs> oh, I mean, I learned this back in the winter. I yeah. know all about... Now you're a furnace expert. I know all about furnaces now. It's very important to change the filter, I learned. And there's, you know, there are some of those kind of duh things you learn <laughs> when you move into your house about your appliances. We just bought a house over the weekend. Congratulations! <laughs> I didn't realize it didn't have a microwave in it until last night when I went to make dinner and there was no microwave. Oh, wait a minute. How many times have you been in this house prior to buying it and you just now realize that you don't have a microwave? Two times and both times there was a microwave there. Oh, they took their microwave and left. (laughs) So I called our realtor and I was like, "Um, we don't have a microwave. And she said, no, that wasn't on the list of things that you guys were keeping. And I said, well, why didn't we mark that off? And she said, I don't know. <laughs> so what did you do for dinner last night? Well, so we ordered pizza. And yeah. I Naturally. <laughs> Have you even moved in until you've ordered pizza and eaten it off the living room floor? Right. <laughs> the appliances in your home are extremely important. Yeah. Sometimes, though, they make you feel less than smart. Just kind of pulling your hair out, trying to figure out, why aren't you doing what you're supposed to? Dan had that experience. I just moved into this new house at the beginning of June, and my fiance is going to be moving in in August after we're married, and that's all exciting. Ah, awesome. married. Yay. Uh, the first time I ran the washing machine, the drain backed up. And so I called the landlord, and they sent a plumber out. And what we found blocking the drain was a child's sock. A sock? sock. That's where they go. They go down the drain. They go down the drain. The washer eats them, and they go down the drain, and you never see it again. Until it backs up your washing machine, and you have to call the plumber. Speaking of unpleasant experiences with appliances, here's Sherry. I worked for a plumbing company. And my washing machine wouldn't work. So I called, and of course, two of my co-workers, guys, came out to my house and tore into my machine. And uh, they found something wrapped up in the motor and probably showed it to me, and it was a pair of my underwear. Oh. <laughs>
And I was absolutely mortified. And they, they, yeah, they took it for all it was worth. I'm sure they had fun with that one. Oh, they did. And I could hardly face them the next day at work. If you have time today, go to Thrillist.com and find the map of the United States that shows you the weirdest name for every state. There, there are some that I'd heard, like I think many of us in Iowa were unsurprised to find what cheer as, no, as the yeah. Iowans' weirdest name. That didn't surprise me at no. all, and I don't even think that's weird anymore because I live here, and mm-hmm. I've lived here for a long time. But I'm telling you, there are some weird, weird names out there. I gotta say, I really liked uh, Ding Dong, Texas. <laughs> Ding Dong, Texas. Well, you're from Texas. Well, that's that's what I said when I came to Iowa, is, is I went up to someone's door and I go, Ding Dong, Texas! <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> there are so many weird ones. I'm I'm kind of disturbed by how many have the uh, flavor of chicken in them. There's a lot of chicken. There's a lot of chicken. But I think one of my favorites is in Illinois, there is a town named Chicken Bristle. Or how about uh, Tennessee? You've got smart with two T's. That's, that's what I am. I am smart, smart with two T's. T's. S-M-A-R double T, T. Smart with two T's, Tennessee. I think some states really take pride in their weird town names. Yeah. I mean, there's some there's some weird town names out there. We were talking about like, oh, Alaska, weirdest town name in, in Alaska, Chicken. Naturally, you live in Chicken, Ch- Alaska. Chicken, Alaska. Yeah. There's a uh, many bear, South Dakota. <laughs> that one makes sense to I, me. Yeah, there are many bears there. <laughs> I, I imagine that makes sense. What was the one in Tennessee you were talking about? That's my favorite. It's smart with two T's. <laughs> You got a good town name, Katie? You're talking about Tennessee. I'm originally from there. But did you know there's a town in Tennessee? It looks like Santa Fe. Spelled exactly the same way. F-E at the end. But they pronounce it Santa Fe. Santa Fe? Is this real life or is it just Santa Fe? Santa Fe, Tennessee. (laughs) Oh, it rhymes. It rhymes. It's ridiculous, but it's legit. (laughs) Okay, so... Can we really cast dispersions, however, here in Iowa when we have Madrid, Nevada, and Peru? You are 100% correct, Jen. I think, I think we cannot. <laughs> Dr. Heidi, there is a lot to process right now as we are moving closer and closer to the next school year and wondering what exactly it's going to look like. I'm sure... A lot of parents have a lot of different emotions on what should be done, what is being done that shouldn't be done, what's not being done that should be done. How much of that should we let our kids see in us? That is a great question because there's so much going on. And I don't know about you, but we're having conversations like you have half a conversation. The kid comes in the room, he stopped the conversation, right? And so (laughs) we're pausing and then we're resuming. And so he's overhearing maybe more than we would like him to. And that's something that I've recently become aware of and realized it's maybe not the best way of handling things. What is more important, I think, is managing our emotions as adults when kids aren't around. So when we're upset, when we're flustered, when we're thrown for a loop, taking time to deal with that ourselves and not put that emotion on our children. Now, what that does not mean is that we don't talk to them about emotions. After we've managed it, after we've thought through it and kind of been prayerfully done some work, then talking with our kids. What are our emotions about going to Walmart and having arrows on the floor that dictate what direction you could go? What are your emotions about wearing masks at the dentist or while you're getting your haircut? These are experiences that our kids are having now as things are starting to open up. And 
we need to spend time putting words to that and, and talking and seeing what it's like for them. I've got teenagers. I actually have one that's over 18. Yeah. So she gets to make her own decisions about yep. these things, but we still have conversations about why or why not, you know, where yes. or where not. What does it mean? What are you saying to other people? And what is important to you? I'm amazed at how much our teens are thinking mm. about this because it's affecting every part of their yeah. lives. They are thinking about it. And even younger kids are thinking about it. My eight-year-old, we were going someplace and he paused and he said, Mom, do I have to stay six feet away from people? And wow, I wow. didn't even really realize he knew about that other than the spots on the floor in the grocery store that we've been to like twice. I mean, we have to be talking about some putting words because they're thinking about it and they're noticing it. And if we don't help shape the narrative, they're creating their own and they're going to create one that's one of fear. As we put words to it and talk about, okay, here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. Maybe using some humor. We may or may not have walked backwards through the Walmart aisle just so we could, quote unquote, <laughs> follow the arrow rule. Okay. <laughs> did that. Yeah. And so we're using some humor and, you know, maybe your kids pretend to be special agents with their masks. I don't yeah. know at the dentist. I don't know. But helping them keep things in perspective, recognize what we're doing, why we're doing what we're doing, but also not doing that out of an emotion of fear. There can be fun. There can be some humor, even as we all adapt to the things that are happening in our world. It's part of the beauty of a family mm -hmm. is you have your own way of talking. You have got those family phrases. I'm thinking that all along while my children were growing up, I think, honestly, I pretended that they were either a herd of cattle or horses. Naturally. Why? <laughs> because <laughs> my dad, I would help him when I was little and then it'd be like, okay, giddy up, get to the car. <laughs> I mean, like, I, we... <laughs> giddy up? Giddy up. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Get along, <laughs> little doggies. Giddy up. Yes. I will also say, yeah, like, let's go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's go. I mean, like, and I realized that I don't wear a cowboy hat. I don't no. do any of those things, but I've got giddy up and yeah. But if we're ever out to coffee and I say, okay, giddy up, that means you're taking way too long with your order and you are hurry up. You develop these words out of just, you know, it just kind of becomes part of what you say. And it just feels normal because you've been around that family for so long. But when somebody from outside of your family hears that phrase, they're like, what does that mean? Squirt stuff. Do you know what that is? I have no idea. You mean like like the stuff that you... Go ahead. My mom had five kids and I suppose things were chaotic and somebody always spilled something and... and when you needed Mr. Clean diluted in a bold window cleaning bottle and it was squirt stuff and she would even write it like with a Sharpie squirt stuff on the squirt bottle. And I thought that was normal. And when I moved out, I learned that that wasn't and the same for my brother. And in fact, he spilled something at their house and his roommate was trying to help him. And he's like, go get the squirt stuff. He's like, I don't know what that is. He's like, yes, the squirt stuff. We gave the squirt stuff now. <laughs> Sometimes families have a little language all of their own. Oh, yeah. And to you, it sounds perfectly normal. Because you grew up hearing it. But when other people hear it, they think it's a little weird. I grew up in Oklahoma, and my mother is from South Dakota, a farm girl. And whenever we would say something like, I love you, Mommy, she would come back with ditto cabbage head. <laughs> <laughs> ditto cabbage head. I have never heard that in my life. I don't know where she came up with it, but I know that I use it to this day, and I'm in my 50s. And, you know, I'll tell somebody at work, yeah, ditto cabbage head, and they'll just look at me like I'm crazy. 
Oh, that's great. You call your coworkers cabbage head? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Have you felt like life has just been on pause for all of 2020? Yep. For the most part, we're all just looking ahead to 2021, aren't we? I mean, just coronavirus has continued to kind of linger. We're, you know, now debating, okay, what's the right way to go back to school? And I've heard a lot of people say this. Well, 2020 is just a wash. Yep. I've heard that too. And I've said that. Yeah, it it, it feels (laughs) totally true. Like we we haven't been able to do so many things we planned on. We've kind of done this kind of slower pace of life. And I keep coming back to in this time a verse in Jeremiah. Jeremiah. That's been I know it's a very encouraging verse, believe it or not, from a prophet. Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah is talking to God's people who are currently living in captivity in Babylon. Well, if you were living in captivity, I would think that your life would feel like it had paused. They're, yeah, they're living kind of on pause, and they're just waiting for God to lead them out of Babylon. They're waiting for deliverance, huh? And they feel like it's coming soon. They're, so they're just kind of hunkered down. They are ready to get out of there and get back to life. But Jeremiah has a totally different message for them. Jeremiah says, build houses here and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply here and do not decrease. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. And it's just this beautiful reminder that... If you are a child of God, you are going to be in an imperfect place. This side of eternity, you are going to be surrounded by imperfection. But God puts his people in places to bring light to them. Even 2020? Even 2020, even when you are sheltered at home, you're locked away, you haven't seen your co-workers in months. God has put you in a specific place for a specific purpose. And I hope for my sake that I haven't missed chances to be a light. Maybe one of the important questions we should be asking about 2020 is, what are you learning? Mm -hmm. Not, how are you getting through it? (laughs) We've looked at 2020 as a time of just being frozen. But if you read God's word, the times that are difficult are the times when we grow. Mm, True. And we want to know the verses that have been helping you grow in this time. Psalm 4610, be still. Mm. And there's a whole lot of stuff that comes after be still. But I can stop right there because I'm never still. (laughs) Never, never, never. Like, it is the biggest struggle. I'm a struggle blessed when it comes to being still. And I think that God is just saying, you know what? I mean, like, he shut down everything for us to be still. (laughs) It's true. I don't necessarily think the shutdown was based on me. However, I think my response (laughs) needs to be, like, just be still. Yeah. And it's hard. It's super hard. So hard. I feel guilty when I'm still for too long. Me too. I used to feel guilty taking a nap, but I realized that my body gets tired. Mm -hmm. So I think that when we are still, things become a lot clearer and we can focus on what's important. What delights you? I mean, think about it, delight. I think of delight as being like that, it's kind of that effervescent feeling of being up and uplifted and happy. And and when somebody delights you, 
you are drawn to them. Well, I think about there have been movies that I've described as delightful, but yep. it's just like start to finish. It is the easiest, most wonderful, perfect, pure thing to watch. My life verse has been Psalm uh, 34, 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Which I think when I was younger was like a cheerleader verse. <laughs> I just need to be happy about God and then I'm going to get a Nintendo. I think a lot of us have looked at that verse in an inverse way. Okay, if I want certain things, I have to be delighted in God. Mm -hmm. During this pandemic, I have had to go back and revisit why this life verse was my life verse. Because God has taken so many things away from me in 2019 and in 2020. So many things away from me. Stripped it down to... Where there were days where I was sitting on my bed during the shelter at time home and I legit had nothing else <laughs> and nowhere else to go but in him. And I realized he should be my delight, my first place to go. I should wake up in the morning and think to myself, oh, yay, I've got another day to spend with God. Oh, yay, I've got another day to do his will. Oh, yay, I have another day that he's got covered. Oh, yay. That's my response hmm. to God. That's what it should be instead of, a, well, I guess I got nothing else but him. And when we have that feeling towards God that, oh, yay, I'm a child of God and he is mine and he's got everything worked out for my good, then those things that I want are going to line up with him and he's already promised them to me. This pandemic time, 2020 in general, has led a lot of us back to the scripture. And uh, we have really enjoyed hearing the scriptures that have meant a lot to you lately. I'm a single woman and I have two roommates. So we're home a lot together. And one of the scriptures that was shared with me at the very beginning by a friend um, is in Micah 6, verse 8. And it said, what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? That has been like my theme throughout all of this craziness because every time someone gets on my nerves or something is said or done that I don't agree with or I just don't like, I have to remember that. Mm -hmm. All right, Jen, love mercy, walk humbly, act justly. So it's been a very interesting four months or so. I'm really good at loving mercy when it's happening to me. Exactly. It's, it's the other way around that it, that it gets a little harder. Mercy goes a long, long way. As a parent... You have probably experienced moments like my friend, our friend, Rick did. Now, Rick is a chef, and Rick spends time taking care of his grandkids. Which he loves. Adores. And as a chef, occasionally he wants to, you know, make wonderful meals for said grandchildren. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's an expression of his love. Going to make some really fancy, wonderful food for these children that he adores. Yeah, no. 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 They just want chicken nuggets. But <laughs> they just yeah. want stuff that you put ketchup on. But in one of Lick, uh, Rick's latest escapades, he tells the story of one of his grandkids who he put like tater tots or something on a plate and then he squeezed ketchup on them. Mm -hmm. Put it in front of his grandchild, expecting the grandson to sing his praises. Yes. Tater no. tots and ketchup. But no, no. Oh, of course. Wow. What, what's the problem? Why don't you want to eat it? I don't want to eat it. What is the matter? Why don't you want to eat it? I made it exactly like you like it. <laughs> They're
there's a hole in the ketchup. The, a hole. Uh, the ketchup has a, a hole. There is a spot <laughs> where he could see through to the oh. plate. <laughs> and there was no ketchup. Need there a was full only a plate. Layer of ketchup. You're not getting any more ketchup. <laughs> fine, fine. Here's the ketchup. Here, go ahead. So. <laughs> No holy ketchup on the... He wouldn't eat it because there was a hole in the ketchup. That's a lot of ketchups. That is so many tomatoes sacrificed on the altar (laughs) of your tater tots. Of child pickiness. Our precious, wonderful children. We Mm -hmm. love them so. They're expensive. And it's a good thing that they give us some entertainment value. Because when they are picky... Often they take that pickiness to a ridiculous level. She was two. Her scrambled eggs were broken. Oh, and no. she wanted me to fix them. You got to put them back together, Mom. I know, and I couldn't fix them. <laughs> and she just didn't understand. And she kept saying her eggs were broken. <laughs> and then while her eggs were broken, she was just putting them in her mouth and still eating them. So Listen, we've all cry eaten before. Welcome to adulthood. <laughs> I think I did that last night. <laughs> <laughs> it is a ridiculous pickiness. But you give in because otherwise things get messy. I'm sure to the mind of the toddler, it's perfectly reasonable Makes that really they good should sense, be yeah. upset about whatever it is that they're upset about. My friend, her son, has very specific requests that must be followed when it comes to packing his lunch. Oh, boy. He, oh, boy. You know, she likes to pack some healthy things for him to hopefully get, you know, some good nutrients in there. And so she likes to pack some olives for him to munch on. Well, goodness, that's a wing and a prayer. Well, he he will eat them, but he only will eat olives. Only if she puts eleven in the package, <laughs> has to be exactly eleven. Why? Because he doesn't have eleven of anything. You put one on each finger and a backup in case he breaks one. Are you for real? I'm for real. Oh my god, this kid thinks ahead. <laughs> and she does it. Yeah. Listen, if you could figure out your kid was going to eat olives, wouldn't you do just about anything to get him on there? This is the same kid that wants to run for president? No, this oh, is a different one. Wow, I, I think, think he, he might be the running mate. <laughs> the one will be up there giving speeches and he's going to be back there being like, Olive fingers! Children are good at many things, mm-hmm. including being ridiculously picky. She heard one of her friends at school say that vegetables were ucky. Ucky. So I could not call them vegetables. I had to say, eat your carrots or eat your broccoli (laughs) or eat your green beans because if I called them vegetables, she would say, no, vegetables, ucky. (laughs) Oh, wait, sorry. That's not a vegetable. It's a carrot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's some next level parenting right there. I used to bribe her with broccoli to behave herself. (laughs) This has been the Taylor and Jen podcast. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at life1071.com or on the Life 107.1 app.